2: The Athletic
0: Totally Football League show End of term vibes today As the curtain comes down On the regular seasons In the Championship In League Two We'll talk it all through from the bottle jobs to Barton's Bristol boys stepping on the gas in the maddest end to a promotion race ever. There's a hat tip to the Hatters and to Wickham, who are heading back to Wembley. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Powell. What an end to the regular season then. Listener here to talk it all through with me, Matt Davis-Adams, Ah, Sam Parking. Hello, Matt. Hello, Sam. Adrian Clark's back with us too. Hi, Clarky. Hello. Also back with us is Joby McEnough. Since we last spoke, nominated to become non-exec director of the FA and given an award. Um, I don't want to say it's totally down to your appearances on the Totally Football League show this season, but certainly can't have harmed your case.
3: Yeah, I've got to give you a little assist. I I will say that. Um, Obviously, the show carries a lot of weight in the football fraternity. So, uh, yeah, really good couple of weeks. Uh, Delighted with the EFL award the Tom Finney one, which is a nice one. And obviously... uh, to, to get nominated as it is at the moment still a few little protocols to go through before it's all formalised and I get an official start date but exciting times and really looking forward to, to getting stuck into that role.
4: Well done Joby I think I voted for you in the local elections as well mate so it's been a busy few weeks <laughs> for you keep up the good work son.
5: Important question though Joby D- does this mean you're going to get a blazer? Ah oh, listen we've already had a chat
3: about that I'll, I'll go with my own style I think and uh, <laughs> try and spice things up a little bit Clarky. <laughs>
5: Good man, I like it.
0: <laughs> uh, Sam, Adrian, nice of you to contribute to that, but I mean, you need to step up your games a little bit, respectively. No awards, no new jobs. Come on. It's like giving you that one when you,
4: you, you commend me on my Hall of Fame
0: standing <laughs> That's true. every time
4: yeah. I see you, mate. I'm a Hall of Famer.
0: All right, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that later, maybe. Uh, maybe not. We're going to start today, though, by looking back at what nobody's calling match day 46 in the Championship.
1: You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part
0: of the Athletic Podcast Network. All right. So at 12:29, Sheffield United, Luton, Middlesbrough, and Millwall were vying for the playoffs. Here's how the drama unfolded.
4: swings in the cross gets wide. It's that man again. White, when Sheffield United needed someone to deliver, has once again come up with the goods. Wonderful job by Neillan and Cornick's in behind and scores. What a gift for Luton Town from the Norwegian Oyand Neillan. Inside for Berger, across goal, Stevens yeah! It is a rout this day. Has ended well for Nathan Jones, who braces his close friend Paul Ince. And Nathan Jones has a playoff semi-final to look forward to. Well, a day that started with nervous tension in the air. Sheffield United
0: fans needn't have worried. So it's Luton and Sheffield United who take the two final playoff spots after they win and Borough and Millwall lose. That means it's the Blades v Forest and Huddersfield v the Hatters in the playoffs. Elsewhere, Posh bowed out of the champ in five-star style, but it was defeat for Derby and Barnsley as they bid the second-tier farewell. And some other games were played. Most of them, largely inconsequential. And we're going to start at Bramall Lane, though, where Sheffield United demolished the champs in front of Adrian and Moore. Um, how good were the Blades, Clarkey, and how beachy were Fulham?
5: <laughs> I was really impressed with Sheffield United because it was a high-pressure game. I think of all the teams in and around the playoff picture, they're the ones that really had to get in there. Otherwise, the season would have been a huge disappointment for them. But, but they approached the match with real relish, really aggressive all over the pitch, got in the faces of the Fulham players who probably did want to just coast and have a nice easy-ozy last day of the season in the sunshine. And it was the right tactic against the right team at the right time. And, uh, yeah, they were lethal, absolutely lethal. I I thought the the front two, even though neither are strikers, but Ndiye and Gibbs-White, fantastic the way that they linked up, really, really sharp. Sander Burge behind them effortlessly sort of mm. elegant in there. They all got a goal. They all got an assist. And if they play like that against Nottingham Forest, then then it's going to be a, a cracking game. It really is. So, yeah, F- Fulham were obviously a bit bruised from their paintball session earlier in the week. Maybe. Slightly hungover as well, I don't know, but um, but yeah, I'd, I'd rather praise Sheffield United. They turned up on their biggest day of the season and and, and fully deserved a four. Could have been six. Uh, Joby, in terms of loan
0: signings, Gibbs White's got to be up there with with the best of the season, hasn't he? The, the influence he's had on that team, particularly of late, has been spectacular. Yeah, but
3: even earlier in the season, Matt, I've got to say, when they were underperforming as a team, he still individually was. Certainly doing his job and, and contributing, he's come to the fore certainly of late. Clark, made a really good point about that front three as it has been at times in recent weeks, particularly without Billy Sharp, which has been a, a big blow this season that he was having. There were questions about who's going to fill that void in terms of the goals. But again, you know, Njai has really come to the fore with with four and five now, seems to be in a rich Vein of form and that confidence that comes from scoring goals. But yeah, you know, Sander Berger as well. But for me, the one who makes them tick and, and really gives them that extra dynamic in those attacking areas is, is Morgan Gibbs White. He's been absolutely fantastic. I certainly would have him up there. I'm doing a piece later actually for loans from the Premier League of the season. And he's certainly in my list. Um, I'd probably throw James Garner in there as well for Knott's for Forest and Levi Burwell from. Uh, for, James <laughs> Garner for who? For your team, mate, your team.
0: Nottingham Forest, yeah, I mean... Sorry, sorry, sorry. Apologies, apologies. <laughs> I know you guys get offended <laughs> about it. You're, that. you're do you want stoked, a big fan <laughs> No, it's all right, I'm just emailing the EFL uh, uh, subject line. Get him off that board. How retract <laughs> a Tom Finney award, yeah. <laughs> I'll go again.
3: So J- James Gardner, I've got to throw in that as well, from Nottingham Forest, I believe I should say, Matt. Um and also Levi Colwell from uh, Huddersfield. So I'm not going to deviate too much, but certainly Morgan Gibbs-White for loan of the season's got to in with a shout.
0: Sam, we'll do a proper preview of the playoffs on, on Thursday, but briefly, Sheffield United-Forest will be close, won't it? That's what we learned from the league games between them, both one-all draws.
4: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how the, the Forest back three who have been so impressive, you know, very old-fashioned, I would say. Not that they can't play a little bit, but they love defending those guys. So to come up against two blokes who aren't going to be Back in India and, and playing like orthodox strikers, that that could be fascinating. But it's very, yeah, very equal matchup. We wouldn't have seen Sheffield United winning the last three on the spin. And I don't think Forrest will be too bothered about what happened at, at the weekend. Um, you, can, you can plan for eventualities facing so and so, but you, you just got to get on with it when it gets into the playoffs and brush that one off. Remember what's got them great success in the last few weeks and um, attack those games. So, yeah, I think it'll be decided by one goal either way.
0: Well, like Sheffield United, Luton knew a win at home would book their playoff spot. Not as emphatic, but the Hatters got the job done against Reading at Kenilworth Road. Joby, it was, uh, shall we say, a memorable goal to win it. Is that all on <laughs> the goalie or should he should he have got a call of, of Manon from one of his teammates?
3: Well, apparently, because he was right in front of the Reading fans and... Um... In terms of the interview after Harry Cornick was saying that he could hear the fans sort of shouting to the keeper, man on, man on. And the only person in the ground who didn't hear it was Orion Neelan. So, you know, an absolute gift. We talk about these final days. I've been involved in a few. And listen, we'll come on to, to Bristol Rovers later, where days where you just need everything to go your way. And certainly a goal like that. I mean, on a, on a day like that, you couldn't have dreamt of a, a bigger gift. But you do have to give Cornick credit for... You know his uh imagination you know he was very very um clever in terms of his positioning right behind the goalkeeper and then to actually nip round and take a touch and finish it's it a very cute finish as well but no certainly the keeper's given them a huge lift at a time where the game was just petering out a little bit Luton started really really well at five six chances in the first 10 minutes that they probably felt they should have taken the lead in Reading had just got themselves back into the game Obviously, they didn't need to win anyway, but I think that goal just before half time's really settled everybody down and um, it was a great way for Luton to finish the season off and get in the playoffs.
0: Sky pointed out, Clarkey, that, that Luton's squad cost £1.5 million. It's absolutely incredible that they've managed to get a playoff place. And you, you understand why Nathan Jones was the EFL manager of the year you know we've been talking about them for a while and praising them but it's worth doing again because that is staggering
5: yeah it's down to teamwork isn't it they're all good players all of them are good professional players but inexpensive they're not star players are they not big egos it's about the collective and he got them super fit hasn't he doesn't (laughs) surprise me he used to pretty much lap people on a 12-minute run nathan jones at Southampton United. He was brutal. <laughs> there was, You know, the, the lads will know, you used to look after one another, didn't you? You used to sort of not, go, you didn't want to embarrass somebody else, but Nathan was sort of, he was so much fitter than everyone else that he couldn't slow himself down and he didn't actually care if he did lap someone on a 12 minute run. And, and I, I think he's just got the guys supremely fit. Just you finish in front that. of the really? reserve goalkeeper was my mantra. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a big unit; you could get away with it, couldn't you? I, as as a skinny winger, I, I was expected to be in the in the in the front bit. It was uh, yeah, the big strikers; they 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 had license as long as they could. As long as they banged it in the back of the net, you could just jog round, couldn't you? The, um, but yeah, the, I think the fitness is a big thing, and the collective, and and whatnot. So yeah, he's he, he's done the best he could do, I think, as a as a leader of that Luton Town side, and and they've got nothing to lose really going into the playoffs. They can have a free hit at it and and enjoy it and and try to seize the moment. I think that would be the message from from Nathan.
0: Those available might be physically fit, Sam, but they need to get some players off the treatment table, don't they, for the for the playoffs because it's a, an ever-growing injury list, it seems.
4: Well, it was a lot healthier at the weekend. Uh, I thought it was really to their detriment not having midfielders available at Fulham. And that was a big reason for that that spanking, uh, talking about Campbell in particular, to not have him or um, Paddy Raddik and Panzu available. there, the heartbeat of the side because they can disrupt the, the opponent. And I thought Campbell coming back in arguably, along with Adebayo, been the players of the season, I would say. So, yeah, he's he's the big one, obviously, the centre forward if, if he can become available. But I think Bradley, Bree, Campbell, Clark, Cornick, all the ones that have been struggling back into the side, that was a much, you know, better looking Luton outfit and got the result. And, yeah, they were... They were well beaten at Huddersfield recently so they'll have that fresh in the memory um they played probably a bit more possession in in that game than you you, you'd liably see with them and Huddersfield played a little bit more on the counter so Carlos Colbran will come up with a way to try and disrupt Luton no doubt but they have to use that ground they have to use those supporters and and as they did at the weekend just look at their game in isolation and I'm sure they'll be a dangerous animal as we've seen with teams in the previous campaigns in the playoffs
3: (laughs)
0: Well, Middlesbrough were hoping to pinch a playoff place on the final day. Even if they had won their final game, it wouldn't have mattered as it turned out. But they were easily swatted aside by Preston at Deepdale. 4-1 the score here. I feel like, Adrian, we've spent most of the last few weeks with regards to Middlesbrough talking about their lack of goals. But it was the
5: defending that was the problem here. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? And it was, it was Reese and Archer just mauled them, really. Outstanding from the front two. And, and that back three were, yeah, had a rare off day, didn't they? So... I do feel I do feel that ultimately if if they had a better goalkeeper and, and, and better front players they they would have been in the playoffs. Overall though given where they were given what their squad was I don't think their their final league position is a disgrace. I think they've they've done about par. I, I, that's exactly where I think Middlesbrough probably should have been this season. The issue of course is that Huddersfield and Luton are in there and that that Embarrasses them a little because they've got more, more firepower. They've got deeper, deeper squad than those two, and and they missed out still. So yeah, they shouldn't feel as bad as West Brom should, but but the fact that that Huddersfield and Luton are in there and Borough aren't, that 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 won't sit well. And, and by all accounts, Chris wilder has got the players in today for face to face meetings, and he, he briefed the press and he told them that to expect. Some news. So you know he, he's intended on being pretty brutal and ruthless with the with the squad rebuild. So yeah, watch this space. There'll be a lot of new players at Middlesbrough next season. And
0: Sam, you'd expect them to be amongst the favourites to go up next term, wouldn't you? You know, take into account that the teams who are going to come down and get the parachute money. But he's always backed his his managers, hasn't he, Steve Gibson? So with somebody like Chris Wilder having a pre-season and and then a full season in charge, they ought to be ought to be up there next time around.
4: You would do. Yeah. And yeah, especially if they keep Chris Wilder, I wouldn't imagine the speculation is going to completely go away about his future. He'll continue to be linked with jobs if they become available in the in the Premier League because of the, the track record he's got. But yeah, he'd he be vital. And, you know, the, the type of player that he's able to bring in to rebuild the squad. I think yeah, goals has, has clearly been the biggest issue. I think Sporo was the top goal scorer with, with, with eight, uh, sorry, top scoring striker. Matt Crook's got ten. But they're going to have to improve in in, in that regard because defensively, uh, I expect them to be fine under under Wilder, and I think recently they have been. But yeah, this result this result's not too surprising given they won the two previous games. They did win them relatively comfortably, but they weren't particularly good. I didn't think, especially against Cardiff. So yeah, the the one the win wouldn't have got them in anyway. But yeah, not too surprised. You know, a game against a side who nothing to play for, bit of freedom and. They got some good attacking players, Preston.
0: Nothing to play for for Preston, Joby, but but actually feels like fairly important for them to finish with back to back wins because Ryan Lowe had a great start, didn't he? And then it kind of tailed off a bit, but but they can go into into season with a bit of pep in their step.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And again, that last game when you haven't got anything to play for is important. And again, they've had a, a decent finish, winning the last two to take that in. And I think for a manager, you know, obviously coming in at the stage he did, you do get that upturn, and then you know they did fall off a little bit in terms of their form so i think you want to go into that off season in a positive vein which clearly they have again you know archer has been a real big big player for them you know he's obviously going to go back to his parent club so that might be a position they look to strengthen um certainly moving forward next year and they are difficult games at times everyone says you want to play a team that is already on the beach but what those teams haven't got is any pressure or real expectation or anything riding on the game and if you let them get on top suddenly players that even if haven't been in greatest form start thinking they're maradona and and messi and and doing things that they probably wouldn't do if that pressure was on them and they can be difficult games you know and i think that's exactly what happened you know score a worldie to start with and then they conceded on go borough and you know again if you're that team that hasn't got any pressure on you you just start enjoying the day and clearly. Preston enjoyed theirs, and I'm sure they'll be looking forward now to having a bit of a break, but getting back to it next year and and hopefully being one of those teams. We've already mentioned the Huddersfields and the Lutons maybe have surpassed expectations. And certainly I think for, for the playoffs next year, Preston would hope to be one of those teams that could be a similar story.
0: Yeah, Millwall were hoping to do so too. Always outsiders, they need to win at Bournemouth and hope for favours, but it was the still-celebrating Cherries who got the W at Dean Court as they waved bye-bye to the Championship. So, Clark, it turns out you can win a football game drunk.
5: <laughs> you can, yeah. Yeah, they stayed nice and professional, didn't they? Uh, well done, well done to them. So, yeah, good good finish for Kiefer Moore as well into the season, so... Is he going to yeah. cut
0: it in the prem, do you think? Uh,
5: don't know let's let's wait and see i mean let's see how bournemouth set up in the premier league we know yeah yeah we know that, that scott parker can be quite pragmatic how many touches are the, are the bournemouth front players going to have or, or is he going to be more in the eddie howe mold and, and and look to attack teams in the top flight really interested to, to find out what happens but yeah the likes of Moore and solanke will certainly not get as many chances so um yeah it won't be as much fun for those two next season but no he's 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 a he's a threat isn't he in the air but also he's got a good touch and yeah an, an excellent awareness as we saw with that that famous goal so yeah wish wish Bournemouth the best of luck they've certainly got a lot of talent there and they they can keep things tight against strong opposition we've seen that throughout the course of this season so yeah, there won't be walkovers in the Premier League. To, you know, they won't roll over for anyone, but they're going to be around the bottom end, aren't they? I can't see them being um, yeah, above mid-table.
0: Uh, Scott Parker won't get £100 million, JB, like he did with Fulham when he took them up. But you'd imagine there'll be a bit of surgery on the squad, albeit they did spend pretty heavily in January.
3: Yeah, they had a real good bash in terms of getting people in, whether that's obviously permanence and, and loans as well, obviously the likes of, of Nat Phillips. Coming in, Todd Cantwell as well. Talk of him maybe not signing permanently at the end of it. I'm not sure what his contract situation is uh, or what the agreements were, but certainly I would be looking at a bit of Premier League experience to come in. They've got some real good younger players. You know, Zamora's had an outstanding breakout season, as has Anthony down that left hand side. You know, Lloyd Kelly's are developing young centre-half with massive, massive potential who I I really like. So I just think, and I look around the team, they've got the real, you know, good, good players, talented players. Obviously Dom Solanke as well is an amazing season and we'd probably be speaking about him a lot more if Mitrovic hadn't done what he'd done. But I just look at the squad and feel they're missing a bit of real Premier League quality. And when you go up there, we had it when we went up with Reading, you know, we could have done with two or three you know, week in, week out, know what you're going to get, you know, seven, eight out of 10 performers at that level, just to help the ones who haven't got that experience. So I think that's what Scott Parker would be looking to do.
0: Look like Jeb Wallace was saying goodbye to the Millwall fans, Sam. That, that's obviously a massive blow. We've spoken a lot about him this season. Is, is there maybe a sense that they've missed an opportunity here because they might have to add a few more players to replace him? Next season, and that's not going to be easy. It was. It was always difficult for them to crack the playoffs, but you know there was a chance there this time.
4: Yeah, I understand what you mean because you know no one would have, you know, envisaged Jed Wallace producing so consistently over the last few years when he arrived from from Wolves. So it'd be hard to get someone in who's going to replicate that type of numbers consistency. He's been phenomenal. He's been phenomenal, and I, I don't imagine they'll have much money to to reinvest Millwall, so it's going to have to be probably a loan or taking an opportunity on someone from a, from a lower division to try and try and replace him. What they, they have done is drip-fed younger players into the side this year that have been brilliant. I think uh, it's been an incredibly successful season for Millwall when the dust settles. I think they'll be disappointed, the players today, that they didn't, well obviously ultimately it wouldn't have mattered, but um, performed a little bit better on the final day. Uh, and maybe created one or two more chances, but the bigger picture is that they've done amazingly well. And I think Gary Rowett, if there wasn't Steve Cooper, Nathan Jones, Carlos Colbrand, people would be waxing lyrical about the job Gary Rowett's done. So I'm fascinated to see what his future holds as well. Um, I'm sure he's enjoyed it, but I think it's a difficult job, you know, in terms of the the, the budgets that um, he's up against. And I'm sure there'd be interest in Gary Rowett once more, whose, whose stock was high a few
0: years ago. Mm, yeah, maybe interest from QPR. We shall see. Uh, right, let's get some odds on those Championship playoffs from guest Producer Doogie and Paddy Power.
2: Sure, no problem. So a home win for Luton against Huddersfield this Friday is seven to five. Fancy backing Matt's Nottingham Forest away at Sheffield United? Well, that's five to two. And in terms of outrights in the Championship, at the time of recording, Forest are thirteen to eight. The Blades are nine to four. Huddersfield are three to one, and outsiders Luton are nine to two. Thanks, Duke. Right next. Take a seat in the chat, boys.
1: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
4: There's the full-time whistle, and the chair boys are heading back to Wembley. Gareth Ainsworth has done it again. The header from Vokes in the first leg proved decisive as we wondered if it might... They are jumping for joy in the away end. The side yeah. that finished sixth, heading back to so the Wembley Wickham Arch. So Wickham Wanderers, the
0: first team to book their place in this season's playoff final. The Chairboys overcame MK Dons over two legs to reach their second playoff final in the space of three seasons. They won 2-0 at Adams Park on Friday and then were beaten 1-0 by MK on Sunday night. Let's start with the first leg because, Sam, you were there. It was, uh, it was classic Wickham stuff, wasn't it?
4: They were very good. Yeah, after about 20 minutes, um, I thought, yeah, we saw what Liam Manning's about in in this game. He played David Kasumu almost as a nine, really. He was very high up and Scott Twine and Troy Parrott played slightly wide of him, split strikers, if you like, and yeah, it caused Wickham real problems early on. They couldn't convert it into a goal. But, you know, after Wickham scored, only really one team in it and... Yeah, that sending off of Josh McEachran seems so pivotal now because at that moment, Gareth Ainsworth could have taken the 1-0, trusted his defensive nouse going into the second leg, but they really went for it. Turned the screw, got a brilliant second goal. What an amazing second goal, McCleary and Vokes com- combining for a wonderful second. And it could have been more on the night. And there were some real unsung heroes. I thought Dominic Gape and Josh going in the middle of the pitch, unsung heroes those guys and and obviously defended their lead very well in the first leg so yeah didn't really turn up MK Dons, and and obviously left themselves with all to do last night.
0: Were you expecting JB that they would be able to turn it around in the in the second leg at Stadium MK?
3: Um, I felt that second goal in the first leg was absolutely huge I think when you're going into a second leg and again I remember going into one with Watford with 2-0 down against Hull and You need to score that first goal and then, you know, you feel like you're back in the game, but there's still a lot of work to do to go and overturn it completely. They got the first goal, of course, and I think they'd be a lot happier with how they played overall. It was a lot more like the MK Dons we've seen throughout the whole season, really, and and Liam Manning's done a fantastic job there. But if there's one team that you would put some money on actually just defending for their lives and seeing out the amount of situations they did... It's Wickham Wanderers. It's almost what they're built for. You know, Gareth Ainsworth, you know, he he recruits characters. He recruits people that aren't just good players. And there are some fantastic players there, by the way. But, you know, great, great lads who have each other's back. And you can see that in some of the challenges, some of the tackles. I mean, Joe Jacobson has made a block um, from a shot that was destined to, to go in. And, you know, that really typified Wickham's performance, I think. I don't think they had a shot on target Um, And I've got to be honest, I don't think any other team in League One could have come out of that and got through the tie. And I think that's the massive credit. It's their physicality against the the technicality, you know, youth versus experience. And in these games, you know, when there's so much on the line, so much pressure, you know, a lot of the times you see that experience come to the fore. And that's why I feel they are where they are. I, I spoke to Gareth a few weeks before the playoff shake up and he was so confident in that group of players that they'd have the experience to get in and again once they are in there now he certainly wouldn't bet against them just getting the job done not always pretty not always easy on the eye but they've got a lot of winners in that dressing room and you know I'm I'm really pleased for him and, and that group of players that they've got a chance to get themselves back up to the championship where they were a little bit hard done by um the last time they were up there in terms of their relegation
5: Yeah, Joby's right about those experienced players. Think about the ones who really made the difference across the two ties. McCleary and Vokes in the first leg. Sam's touching it with that goal. Two vastly experienced players. Two players that Gareth pushed the boat out to sign, really. Um, No doubt about that. And then Stockdale in the second leg had had an outstanding match, some brilliant saves. And Joe Jacobson, for me, obviously, friend of the pod, one of the corners of the season. In the first leg, undefendable, and and that tackle is is one of the tackles of the season that Joby just referenced. So, yeah, those those four were, were stellar, but but yeah, so too with the collective. And I, and I think Gabe coming in, by the way, for Lewis Wing in recent weeks made a difference. Just gave solidified them a little bit. It looked quite a good combination with him and him and, and So yeah, Wickham, whoever they get, which we don't know at the time of recording, they'll, they'll make it hard for. Their opponents at Wembley. Yes, it will either
0: be Sheffield Wednesday or Sunderland. The second leg of that tonight as we record. Sunderland, the goal up from the first leg. Uh, Sam, incredible atmosphere at the stadium of like 43,000 people. The biggest attendance for any playoff game ever in English football. It's going to be sold out at Hillsborough tonight too. Uh, just just for the purposes of uh, potentially making you look daft on, on Thursday, what do you <laughs> predict is going to happen tonight? <laughs>
4: uh, I will go for... Sheffield Wednesday victory in extra time. How's that? Uh, okay, it was so an what, amazing what atmosphere. last night? I'm, I'm complimenting uh, producer Dougie here. Amazing atmosphere at the stadium light. It didn't stop me from turning over to watch a documentary about a service station after about an hour. My <laughs> goodness, it was turgid. It was a, oh, it was a,
0: it was a terrible... Is that, is that the Lake District one, the one in The Tee Lake District one, yeah, yeah which
4: is... Yeah probably even worse than the first half of that game actually so it was a toss of a coin um but yeah there's nothing between the two sides is there there's, there's two two goals uh, essentially in terms of the the goal difference in in the league so i know they they spanked Sheffield Wednesday at the stadium of light and the reverse fixture was 3-0 but similar shapes identical shapes really and Barry Bannon couldn't affect the game in the in the first one so I just think Sheffield Wednesday have been so good at home. You know, lost one in 18, I think it is. Just that Rotherham defeat that springs to mind. So, yeah, they're fantastic in front of their home fans. So I think it being narrow again, and I think, I think Sheffield Wednesday will score. So for that reason, I think it's going to go right
0: down to the wire. What we don't want, Clarkie, I guess, is for it to be decided on an error, like the first leg was.
4: Hutchinson looking to cover the ground and Stewart's been into it. Is this
1: the moment?
5: mistake wasn't it from Hutchinson sort of overshot his run didn't he when he was looking to cover you just got to whack it out haven't you and yeah he got it all wrong and Ross Stewart punished him but yeah Sheffield Wednesday I thought were disappointing weren't they up until the final half an hour I think the tactical battle was won by Alex Neil but what I will say is that they hung in there and they didn't didn't concede the second and, and to Darren Moore's credit he found a way to tweak things himself I think he pushed Hutchinson into the midfield, and it freed up Bannon, and Bannon started to influence things towards the end of the match. And 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 yeah, I I thought at the final whistle, Sunderland looked a bit disappointed they, that they didn't get the two goal lead that Wickham got, for example. I think that they they could easily have come away with with a two goal lead there, and, and the fact that they didn't just makes me think. The Wednesday might come into it. A lot of their star players, Luongo, I thought was a bit disappointing. Gregory didn't get a lot, did he, to feed off of? You think will they? Will those two go? Berahino was quite quite average on the night. Maybe Windass might come in for him. We'll have to see. But their big players didn't show up. Until the final sort of twenty minutes, it's down to them now. They've got they've got to deliver right from the start. Of Hillsborough. Are you going for a a Sheffield
0: Wickham final as well, JB? Oh,
5: this is a real tough, tough one. As it's been
3: really tough to call anything in League One this season. It's been an incredible league, and again, I think the biggest thing for me when you look at the the size and scale of both clubs that are going at it at this stage is incredible, really. And I'd have to yeah go with Sheffield Wednesday, I think, just because of their home form. And again, you look at both teams who maybe have buckled under the pressure of expectancy of their big club status in that division um, at times over the years. I think certainly that, I know it's a very, very cliched thing to say, but that first goal is going to be huge. I think if Sheffield Wednesday get it, you know, I just feel like the crowd, the momentum, everything will carry them forward. And I think they might get themselves over the line, but it's such a hard one to call, man. I don't think I'm that brave at the moment, man, I've got to be honest.
5: I think, in a way, even though Sunderland obviously expect to get in the playoffs, Chef Wednesday probably expected to get in the playoffs, they've, they've both got ownership issues, haven't they? There are things going on off the pitch that, that aren't ideal. Yet the managers do have re-engaged the supporters, haven't they? they? It feels like both sets of fans are really behind the actual teams, even though they've got issues with the people at the, at the helm. So that makes, that makes this even bigger, doesn't it? That the team that goes through, they can carry on. Getting behind the team, getting behind behind the manager, but the team that loses here, then everything else will come into play, and and you wonder what might what might happen. So yeah, interested. This is a really huge game for both clubs for obvious reasons.
0: Right, just to make producer Doogie feel better, I'll say that Sunderland are going to go
5: through
0: <laughs> we could get some odds on League One now courtesy of Paddy Power with the aforementioned Doogie
2: thank you Matt finally I, I can't say I'm that confident and Paddy Power aren't either they put a Sheffield Wednesday win as evens whilst the Mighty Black Cats are a measly 14 to 5 if you want to bet on Wiccan going up right now you can get odds of 6 to 5 ok next we'll run down an absolutely ridiculous final day in League Two
4: a super pass, and they in again, yes they are, yet again Forest Green Rovers have come back, the playoffs are short for Mansfield, for Forest Green Rovers, they will be champions and beyond their wildest dreams, look at these celebrations, congratulations to Rob Edwards, the players, his staff, for this extraordinary achievement.
3: It feels great. To get the promotion sealed a couple of weeks ago was, was fantastic, but now to, to be crowned champions is special. Four teams out of 92 at the beginning of the season can, can be champions, and, and to be one of those four teams is, is, is brilliant.
1: To your Bristol Rover shirts in the middle, there's the header, Elliot
0: Anderson. Unbelievable. 7-0. And maybe, just maybe, it's the one that takes them into the third tier. So Bristol Rovers secure the most incredible of promotions. Forest Green Rovers are the champs. Northampton, Mansfield and Port Vale have to settle for the playoffs while Swindon thrilled to be in them as Sutton and Tranmere miss out. And Keith Hill says he wants to stay at Scunthorpe in the National League but blasted what he called the terrible culture at the club adding, I want to be here but I will not accept what I've had to deal with for the last six months. I will not accept the standards I've been presented. Uh, Joby said something similar to producer Doogie. Doogie off air. Uh, Normally, we'd start with the team who won the league on the final day, but given what Bristol Rovers did, we'll have to kick off with them. They began the day fourth, level on points with Northampton, but behind them on goal difference, it meant they had to win by five goals more than the Cobblers in order to take the final automatic promotion place. And they only went and did it. Uh, it looks, Sam, as though it was all over when Northampton went a goal up at Barrow after five minutes. But I mean, that own goal from Oliver Lobley sort of summed up Scunthorpe's season, didn't it? And then they just capitulated from that point.
4: It did a bit. And I know we were going to come on to this uh, topic, but I remember going to Millwall final game of the season when I think they had to win to be promoted. And I was at Oldham and we lost 5-0. And I think when... Yeah, the team at home gets ahead of steam when they've got something to play for, you can go under, especially when you've got nothing to play for. And the season's been so catastrophic in the case of Scunthorpe. So I can understand it, really, the performance being so woeful. It's not going to sit well with the Northampton supporters, clearly, because there's a lot of young lads in that team now, but they haven't broken any rules, essentially. So... They're just going to have to swallow that and dust themselves down and get on with the playoffs. But for Bristol Rovers, the end of the season has been unbelievable. I think Clarkey spoke on the Rochdale victory on on last week's pod. How massive was that recovery now? In in the face of this, so now they they've been brilliant. Um, and and credit Joey Barton for you know what was a bit of a slow burner this season, but once the the players got to grips with how he wanted them to play and he was able to bedding in a few low knees, they, they, they've been tremendous. And I'm sure they'll get the backing to probably go and be competitive next season. But it looked like someday, and it looked like the lads enjoyed themselves. Aaron Collins, in particular, who uh, was up on a traffic light. Um, poor attempt at down in the can, though. He actually poured half of it over his head which used to be my go-to.
0: <laughs> uh, we'll get to the, the shenanigans shortly, but Joby, we ought to give Bristol Rovers a bit more praise because, I mean, first time all season they've been in the top three. They were 16th in December. It's an incredible turnaround. Yeah, unbelievable. I think probably that
3: sums up the belief. We've spoken about the run that they've been on, you know, and when you do go on a run like that, impossible things become possible. You know, I think if anyone had said, as you say, in December when they were 16th, that they would have got automatic promotion, you know, they would have got laughed out the building really and i think joey barton's spoken about his own position and himself feeling under threat you know in terms of getting the sack at certain points you know particularly earlier on but when you do go on these runs and again even coming into the game you know we have to remember northampton went and won 3-1 you know they had a plus five goal advantage before the day so it wasn't as though they've gone and lost and you know you then just have to go and look after yourselves you know and even at half time, you know, it was only 2-0. They still needed to go and get, you know, the five goals in the second half. But that sort of feeling that we are going to do it, that we can do it, just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And obviously, as the afternoon went on, you know, they just were relentless, kept going, you know. And I think, listen, it would have been very easy. And I know Scumfort were done and dusted for the season and had a very young team out. But, you know, 7-0. You know, I think it's the only the second time they've ever done that in their league history. So that just shows, you know, what a massive um, achievement, not just Saturday was, but for them to get where they are now. Um, And everybody at that football club deserves, you know, huge credit. the owners as well, because it would have been very easy, I think, to make that decision, you know, press that panic button, as we see so often up and down the leagues uh, when things aren't going well, but they stuck to their guns. And, you know, he's ended up delivering automatic promotion.
0: What about Northampton then, Clarkie? The Guardian reporting that they'll lodge a complaint to the FA regarding Scunthorpe's team selection. They started with 17 teenagers, albeit they only made three changes from the previous game. EFL guidance states that from the fourth Thursday in March, any team sheet for a league game should include at least 10 outfield players who featured on the team sheet for the previous league game, and that was the case here. They've also got beef with the fact that there was a 20-minute delay to the Bristol Rovers game because of the pitch invasion. It's one of them, isn't it? You can see why they're angry, but at the same time, nothing's going to happen because of this, is it? Aren't you better just focusing your energy on the playoffs rather than this likely fruitless
5: appeal? Yeah, what's it going to achieve? Really? I just think you've got to park it and move on. You have to be annoyed, but be annoyed internally to yourself and, and and then just forget about it. They, there's nothing they can do. Scunthorpe didn't break the rules and Scunthorpe, I think we're always going to get beaten in this game. They were always going to get beaten quite heavily. And I think I, I'm not surprised that the Bristol Rovers won 7-0, not because of the team that Scunthorpe put out, but because Bristol Rovers had unbelievable momentum and Joey Barton had that team expecting to win by six or seven and, and, and that that is the bottom line. I think Northampton. They can feel sorry for themselves if they like, but but that that won't help them. They've they've just got to forget it now to some degree and, and move on and, and get themselves ready for a really hard playoff run. Because Mansfield's a tough draw, we know that. Especially the first leg being away, Mansfield have, have been ridiculously good, haven't they? At, at Field Mill, so. Uh, and then if they get through, Port Vale or Swindon will be extremely hard opposition as well at Wembley. So, yeah, concentrate on the football now. I don't agree with them putting in any kind of complaint. The Bristol Rovers fans were just cidered up, weren't they? <laughs> they were just excited. They'd had, they'd had 10 pints each or 10 cans of of cider throughout the afternoon. They were battered. It wasn't a deliberate ploy to get the game held up by 20 minutes to give them an advantage. They were just out of their heads and, and yeah it's, it's a bit of a mess but yeah in the same breath I think if you can't enjoy your team producing what they did then you know yeah, what's the point uh, before we
0: get on to Mansfield and FGR briefly Sam Northampton are, are lodging a complaint you ever lodged anything that wasn't a complaint
4: I think I probably lodged a key in um, in a lock and it's not been able to turn is that a lodge Mm, don't know. One of them where I've got to, I've got to put a bit of pressure on the shed to to open, and it got stuck.
0: Uh, you're trying to dislodge it then, though, aren't you?
4: <laughs> I dislodged it. Yeah, actually, <laughs> with the help of a neighbour who thought I was <laughs> an idiot. It took him 10 <laughs> seconds.
0: Oh, excellent. He um, dislodged. Glad that. I asked that. Thanks, Tom.
4: <laughs> well
0: done, Tom. Mansfield lodged themselves in the playoff places. They had a chance of finishing third at the start of the day. They ended it in seventh. Uh, that's the final playoff spot after a 2 2 draw against Forest Green Rovers. That was enough to see Rovers crowned champions after Exeter lost at home to Port Vale, who themselves. Finish fifth. Uh, let's start with a word, Adrian, on FGR because, you know, we've been speaking in recent weeks slightly negatively about them, I think, because they, they were threatening to
5: stumble over the line. But over the course of the season, they're worthy champs. Oh, definitely. Yeah, worthy champions. Um, outstanding campaign under Robert. But there's not much more to be said. But but I like the way that they, they got this result because they came from behind, didn't they? Not once, but twice. Showed real character. The manager made a substitution. Josh March, wasn't it, who came on in the second half? I think a lot of the fans hadn't even realised he was on the pitch when he, he scored, I think, with his first touch, 90 seconds after after entering the fray. So, so yeah, good finish for Rob Edwards. He deserved that, I think. And uh, the, the only disappointment is that the EFL didn't have a helicopter at the ready. I mean, come on. You've got to have the trophy on the day. I've seen it. I've, they've got the trophy now. They're in their going-out gear. At the, at, you know, I don't know where it was at the local town hall or whatever. It's not the same, is it? Should have had a chopper on standby. They could have got it there, I think, within half an hour. Poor. That's where would end, it that's have been stationed, Clarky?
4: But... Sorry? Where would it where would it have been hovering while the games were playing on? I want ge- geography
5: here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mansfield. I think you'd have it hovering somewhere, somewhere Are you around. You're gonna go for an airfield here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my knowledge of airfield <laughs> your Airfield knowledge. I would, I would say somewhere around Kidderminster is is where it should have been should have been in between the two grounds at some kind of airfield um, round there uh, in the Malvern Hills potentially round that that kind of that kind of manner right answer. and they could have got to either or in 20 minutes there you go poor
0: alright I was going to say
5: RAF wittering but fine
0: um, I fancy Mansfield for the playoffs JB. what about you? I wouldn't agree with you on that
3: Matt. I've got to be honest I think that for me, it's about, again, form, momentum, you know, coming into these playoffs. I think Northampton, that would be a big blow. We've already spoken about them looking at other reasons and I'm not going to say excuses, but factors as to maybe why they didn't finish where they did. Um, and again, when you've been in that position to, to get in that automatic spot and you do fall back in, it can take a lot to get over, particularly in the scenario that we saw At the weekend, i just got a funny feeling for Swindon. I just think that, you know, they've got players that can hurt you, particularly, you know, the attacking players, midfield. You know, Jack Payne's been really good. Johnny Williams, again, players that have been there, done it. Obviously, Harry McCurdy, the enigma that is uh, Harry McCurdy. Again, there just seems a real feeling around that football club that they can do something special, and it will be something special given where they were at the start of this season. And I certainly think that... There's just something going on there that I think will be really difficult for the other teams to to
0: overcome, really. So I'm going to stick my neck out and go for uh, Swindon Town. Swindon Town Hall of Famer, Sam Parking, uh, the team of which you are in the Hall of Fame of. 3-0 win for them at <laughs> Walsall on Saturday. you feeling as confident as JB?
4: I'm never optimistic when... <laughs> um, it's got a... That's a no,
3: that's a no. No, 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 <laughs> no. He's not. trying I to find his everything.
4: caveats, He's,
0: isn't he? Yeah, yeah.
4: I agree with everything you say, Joby, and you're right. But I mean, the the real togetherness with the supporters has only really come in this last four. There were still question marks a little bit prior to this brilliant winning run uh, about the, the style of football. And, uh, and after a defeat against Leighton Orient, the, the fans thought it was done. And they thought, have we underachieved with this group of players? So there there is real momentum now. I, I think there's a great togetherness with these these players. I think they're, they're quite a youthful bunch. They seem to really enjoy each other's company off the pitch. They've been doing little bits on social media. And there's a, there's a lack of fear there, which is evident to me. McCurdy was trying to usher the fans off the pitch the other day. Pitch invasion, get off the pitch. We've still got three more games to go. And I think there is that, that belief and that carefree attitude, which he obviously exudes in abundance, McCurdy. So... I think they've got the the team to do it. I'm just um, I'm set up for for a for a fall really because uh, obviously I'm uh, invested in their in their success. So I hope they can do it. I think this first game against Port Vale though, both teams have been amazing away from home, and I wouldn't be surprised if this continues because Swindon's struggles have come at the county ground. I would not be surprised at all if Port Vale drew one at Swindon and then Swindon went up to. Uh, the Potteries and put on another away day show.
5: Yeah, I, I kind of agree, actually. Port Vale are a really good counter-attacking side. They, 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 they pinch a lot of goals and chances from turnovers. And, and Swindon will have a lot of the ball, we know that. And they've got to look after it in the right areas, otherwise Port Vale might, might steal in. But I was looking at some of the stats around Swindon. 60 open play goals this season. That's six more than anyone else in League Two. 41 more open play shots than any other team in League Two. And then I looked at the set pieces. Terrible at both ends of the pitch. They've, they've scored, the, scored the third fewest and they've conceded the third most. So it's on these sort of fine margins, isn't it? I think as a footballing team, and obviously as a goal threat, they're up there. They're as good as Forest Green, better. But But that other side of their game is something, I'm not saying they've neglected it, but... They haven't quite got that right and if they had a done they might have been in in the top three themselves I, I i'm kind of with joby i think if i was to pick a team right now it would be swindon but maybe that's just me thinking of them getting to wembley being on that big pitch making it feel massive for whoever they come up against um which i think they would so yeah we'll see we'll see but i think these are four pretty evenly matched teams if i'm honest although stylistically different.
2: Well, that's what we think. What do Paddy Power think? Doogie can give us the odds on the League 2 playoff ties. So, Mansfield Town are 11-10 to beat Northampton at home. The reverse is 12-5. Swindon's odds are 23-20 to seal their place in the final, whilst you can bet on Port Vale at 11-5. Thanks, Doogie. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com All the Paddy Power app
0: prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. (music) Right, that's just about it for today. Before we go, though, I wanted to get some last game of the season stories from the boys. Uh, Particularly, I'm looking at dead rubbers. You know, what's happened? What's the gaffer said to you? What's the craziness that goes on? What's the best story that you've got from the final day of the season? Um, Adrian, you can go first.
5: Not a lot. I've got to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the other two can bail me out here. I can't remember to any crazy. I can't remember too much craziness. The one the one match that I really remember on the last day, it was a dead rubber for us. We stopped Cheltenham getting into the playoffs by beating them on the last day. And it was my last game as a professional. And, and I didn't know that that was going to be the case at the time. I knew it was going to be my last for South End, even though... I got the letter through the post about a week later from the manager who didn't didn't have the balls to say it to my face, um, but I knew <laughs> I knew what was coming. But to his credit, he put me on for the last 15 minutes, and I swear I had one of the best 15 minutes I've ever had in my career. I played a yeah 60-yard pass through ball, Um, Yeah, that I hadn't produced in years (laughs) and uh, and I remember Nathan Jones scoring a a, a worldie of a solo goal in the 90th minute just to kill off Cheltenham's dream and, and we were all out that night. For me, the last day of the season, if it was a dead rubber, it was all about saving face. Make sure you play well enough that you can go out in town afterwards and, and show your face. That was that was really the, <laughs> the, the kind of objective um, in my career. <laughs> Fair. Uh, Joby, was it the same for you? Have
3: you got any last day stories? I've got one. It wasn't a dead rubber, though. It was, we were at Watford. We needed a point to get in the playoffs. We played Blackpool, who needed a point to stay up. So we both start the game, obviously, as you do, trying to win it because we both needed the points. But it was 1-1, I think, um, we we're definitely drawing going into sort of the last 20 minutes. And it was the weirdest 20 minutes ever, because as much as we wanted to win the game, we were absolutely petrified of leaving ourselves obviously open and going to lose the game and not having the point. And we actually had it. So we're sort of looking around Blackpool exactly the same. So we went through this almost like, I wouldn't say going through the motions, but it was a little bit of, oh, you know, we got to be careful and they were really being careful i don't think it would have been great for the fans there was a lot of edginess around as well but yeah it was just a bit of a limbo 20 minutes really in the end we drew we both got the point we needed we ended up getting in the playoffs they stayed up but it was, it was just surreal it was a real weird environment
5: can I have a little word with it? Have a word with the, get the captains to have a little, a little word with each other. Should we just? It was him that boys? sort of. Like, should we just? Say, yeah,
3: without yeah. kind of saying it, there was definitely a little bit of that going on. Sort of, you know, no one trying too hard. You know, we both got what we need, kind of thing. Um But yeah, we both got through it.
0: We both got the point in the end and, and got where we needed to get to. And just to stress, no rules were broken. There's no need to resign the Jamie's <laughs> award. Um, <laughs> Sam, what have you got for us?
4: I had the exact same, as, as Joby's just described, Swindon against Hartlepool. And it was Port Vale who'd been on an amazing run who missed out courtesy of us drawing 1-1, a day where the news was changing, you were getting the results funneling through, and, and ultimately that was enough for both of us to get to the playoffs. So the exact same um, scenario that Joby just played out. The Mill 1-1 I already mentioned today, I'd been on loan at Mill the early part of that season. So essentially I got thrashed 5-0 on the final game of the season. But Theo Perfitas, if he's listening, still owes me a championship medal because I played uh, 10 times for, for Millwall at the start of that campaign. So I was uh, on the losing end, but actually I was a uh, part of that Millwall side in the, the early stage of that season. So that that was quite an interesting day. But like Clarkie, yeah, it was it was about the, uh, the apre. Quite often after the dead rubbers, so there was normally quite a few shirts on hangers as the lads came in with their wash bags for the uh, the final day proceedings. Very much like the Christmas. I wish I'd party. played with yeah. you, Sam.
5: I, I think we'd have been. Yeah, I think we might have been cut from the same cloth. I think we might have been the the social organisers. Yeah. We'll see if it's the same at the
0: uh, Totally Football League Show end of season do maybe we'll put that on Instagram live or something Um, actually let's definitely not do that Uh, right thanks to Joby to Sam to Adrian and to Doogie today mainly to you though listening we're going to do a playoff preview and roundup special on Thursday join us for that if you can until then from all of us here it's bye for now you've been listening to the Totally Football League Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything totally by heading to at the totally show on Twitter and on Insta Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production.
2: The Athletic.